Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO, as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have storyteller or storytellers share their stories, and instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I am so stoked about my guests here with me today. Kendall, she, her, is happiest outside at the beach or in the woods walking with her dog. Disco rules. Meditation and mindfulness help keep her centered. She gets great fulfillment fostering dogs through the MCSPCA. She's a sucker for vintage treasures and has a weakness for ice cream and red lipstick. She also has 30, a 30-year career in HIV and women-centered nonprofits. Finn Brigham, he, him, is the director of project management at Callan Lord Community Health Center and has worked in LGBT health for over 20 years. Finn has been published in the Journal of Gay and Lesbian Mental Health and has presented on LGB and transgender health issues across the country, including the White House. He loves dogs, surfing, and cheese. <laughs> Finn and Kendall, welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks, We're really so. glad to be here. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. And I, I full disclosure, I practiced reading both of your bios before this. And <laughs> Finn, the first time I read it, I thought you wrote suffering instead of surfing. And I was like, that's an interesting thing to put wow. in your bio. <laughs> I love suffering. <laughs> right? Just put it out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess all, all queer people have our own sufferings in some way, right? But, Real uh, no, sur- Surfing is here. the opposite of suffering most of the time. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I'm, I guess I would say I'm glad that it says surfing, not suffering, but also would hold space for it just in case. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm also noticing how we all have very cool glasses. Yeah. True. Too bad it's a podcast. Y'all. I, we, we all look great. I can't see. Check yeah. it out on the, check it out on the Instagram, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, how are you both doing? It's, uh, it's like, are you able to surf still? It's like hot out. You know, I went for a run this morning and I was looking at the waves and I was like, maybe I should still eke it out. You know, I have a wetsuit, um, but I don't have the like hardcore winter wetsuit. So I I, sh- I should. It's been, it's been a, like three weeks since I've been out, uh, but I, I can still eke it out. I think it's supposed to be 75 this weekend. So yeah, so beautiful. There. November, global warning. I know. It's like, I really want the fall weather. I want the like jeans and a hoodie and be comfortable, but it's like still sandal t-shirt yeah. short weather. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Well, it'll to, come to me. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how are you both doing? I mean, besides the weather, not that you're doing the weather, but you know what I mean. We're doing well. We have the holidays coming up, and we don't really travel. We um, a long ago put the kibosh on traveling anywhere on Thanksgiving and we usually go out for a drink on the Wednesday night someplace that has a TV so that we can watch uh we can watch the people at the airports at bus stations and on the train and casually be at home they're they're suffering you know yeah <laughs> they're they're suffering. Right. we're not yeah i love that there's something really like it's like 
don't know. It just feels like very cozy to be like, I don't have to suffer in this way. And I'm just going to watch you suffer. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm making the choice. I'm making the choice. to be home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, okay. Well, let's get down to it. We have two, two of you. And so I'm excited to, to learn more about each of you. Um, so we all, ta- we all have multiple coming out stories, coming into ourselves stories, um, and I'd love to hear uh, from you first, Finn, one of your uh, coming out or coming into self stories. Sure. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, just to clarify w- what my identity is and, and the coming out story I'm telling, I identify as a trans man now. My first iteration, like a lot of people of coming out was as a lesbian, um, sort of as a butch lesbian, um, and then it evolved um, to being trans. And so the story that I'm going to tell is sort of my first coming out, which is as a lesbian uh, to my family. So uh, I went to the University of Vermont and uh, was figuring that all out early college and then fell in love uh, in my junior year. And that was sort of the the linchpin of like, I think I'm a lesbian. I think I'm queer. I'm not sure. And then falling in love and sort of the like, oh, this is what it was all about. This is what the songs are talking about. This is what I never felt in high school. And uh, but I had not told my family this and um it was spring break of my junior year, and I was packing to uh, go home, which was uh, outside of Boston uh, for for the week. And my sister, I have a younger sister who still lived at home, and she called me as I was packing up to go. And she said, uh, mom knows you're a lesbian. Uh, she knows that your girlfriend is driving you home. So I guess I'll see you later. And I was like, oh, God. Um, and so uh, it was to my my girlfriend at the time. Her name was Jessica. She was driving uh, me home to drop me off in Boston and then going to her home, which was in Rhode Island. Jessica also has a twin sister named Wendy, which is part of the story. So we uh, get this news. Of course, I start freaking out. Um, and then we get in the car to start about a three-hour drive home. And I am just so scared. I, you know, I was very close with my mom, but this was not something I had shared at all. And I don't think I was lucky enough to not think she was ever going to reject me or not speak to me anymore, but I knew it was going to be a shock and a disappointment in some way and that it was going to be, it was a big deal. And so we're driving home. Jessica's trying to calm me down. I'm also very worried at this point, maybe my mom's going to be very rude to her because I didn't know what she was going to think or say. Um, and the plan was that she was going to drop me off and keep going. It was never going to be like a hangout. So the, this three-hour drive is very stressful for me. We pull up uh, to my home and and walk in. And my mom, for some reason, in her panic, has cooked a very elaborate roast beef dinner, like put out the china, a tablecloth. And we weren't even supposed to have dinner. She's put on like a suit, like a like a business suit. I, it was just her way of dealing. She's like, <laughs> make, it was very strange. Um, so we walk in and, you know, and I say, this is Jessica. This is her sister, Wendy. Um, you know, they're just dropping me off and she says no we're gonna sit down have dinner and I was like oh they're gonna keep going there she's like no we're all gonna have dinner and I was like oh dear so Jessica says uh okay well let me just call my mom and let her know we're gonna be later than we thought so I take Jessica upstairs to call her mom and my mom's yelling from the downstairs what are you doing come downstairs as if this is clearly a moment that we're going to you know be sexual because this was a very sexy moment for us <laughs> so we're like no we're just making a phone call um so we go downstairs you know we sit down it's very quiet very silent um something that's important to the story is that wendy had been a vegetarian for 
uh, most of her life at this point, and but with Sister Roast Beef Dinner, and she was, God bless her, trying so hard to to break the ice and to, you know, sort of like, oh, what a lovely home you have, and I've never been to this part of Boston, and thank you for this dinner, and just eating this roast beef like it was her job, and not, mm. you know, not going to throw any more to say like, oh, I don't eat meat, like, because it was bad enough, and so we're both just, Jessica and I are silent, just watching her consume vast amount of meat worried for her um but i you know, just it was so in my head and being very grateful for her to try to you know ease some of the tension my mom doesn't say much um they finish eating all this meat uh, get into the car uh and and leave and you know and then i have this sort of really long blowout long night with my mom um you know i think that she was mostly upset that i just hadn't told her and it was hard for her to understand that I was trying to figure it out. And I didn't know, you know, was I saying that I was bi? Was I saying that I had fallen in love with a woman? Like, I didn't know. And so I didn't know what to share. Uh, you know, luckily, she she got over it pretty quick. A few days into me being home, we, you know, we had a lot of conversations. It was sort of like, do you want to go to therapy about this? And, and me being like, I'm actually super happy. Like, I don't need therapy at all. I've, I've never been better. Um, and... Um, so, so she got over it pretty quick and, and, you know, we remained very close. You know, I, I won't tell my transgender coming out story because this is an hour long podcast, but I will say, I think that she was so excited to get a do over um, mm. that she was like over the moon when I came, it was sort of, it, it felt a little fake, but when I told her I was trans or at first told her I was changing my name, it was like, oh, that's great. I'm so happy for you. That's so wonderful. I think she was, uh, she had felt bad about how she had responded to to me being a lesbian and was really glad for a second chance. And she became a P flag mom after and did, you know, education for other people when their kids were coming out. And so she definitely came around, but it was a, it was a rough night and it was um, maybe like one of the biggest fights we've ever had. And so, uh, you know, that's my coming out story. I was, I was, I was, someone told her, I don't know who to this day. Yeah. That was going to, thank you for sharing. And I was going to ask, yeah, who told how I just, so you know, I really, i like, this is really interesting. I had, um, it wasn't, she, she wasn't actually my biological cousin, but like a family friend that I had grown up with. It, a cousin is the closest thing who also went to school with me. Um, and I had thought that she must have told my mom because she was at school. She had met my girlfriend. She knew. And um, that's what I think my mother told me that her name was Sarah. Sarah had told her and I confronted Sarah and she just sort of apologized and, you know, was like, oh, I, I don't think I realized whatever. But um, I think actually that uh, someone else told her and Sarah sort of took the heat for it to like avoid more drama with my mom, which is like mm. very beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not actually sure who told her, but uh, it, it, you know, didn't matter in the long run, but uh you know, it was, I remember that fear. I remember that drive home and it just, it, in some, some ways it felt like it took five minutes in some ways it felt like it took 10 hours. Um, and just all the scenarios running through my head of what she would say and what she would think. And, uh, I'm sure a lot of the people can relate. Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I'm just like, and correct what, correct if this, this is wrong, but I just would imagine that it's not only, just like the fear of the unknown of how the, how your mom's going to react, but also the, like, this was taken from me. I didn't get to tell my own story on my own time in my own way. It was taken from me. And now you have to deal with the aftermath. That feels really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I would have loved to, to you know, I don't know how long it would have taken. I, I, I really falling in love for me was just it's such a game changer. Uh, it sort of all made sense. It all fell into place. And so I think it probably wouldn't have been much, much longer, but uh, 
I don't know, I would have done it differently. I would have done it slower. I would have said, I am thinking this, I'm feeling this, or I'm not sure about this. And it didn't go down that way. So, so yeah, that was, that was unfortunate for sure. Yeah. Um, just, just quick side note question, which is, did anyone throw up after eating roast beef? <laughs> I think that's a great question. Yeah. Poor Wendy. Um, yeah, poor, poor Wendy. Wendy. Yeah, no, she was such a champ. Uh, she didn't throw up. I, I understand she had a very bad stomachache. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, hey, sometimes that's what allyship looks like, right? It's a stomachache. <laughs> uh, Taking it for the team. And I was very grateful to her that evening. I should I should send her a Facebook DM or something and we'll, we'll remind her that she uh, she really she was the only one speaking at that dinner and and I was so glad she was there. Yeah. That's uh, I know like you just made uh, a joke about it, but also like that, that, that allyship of like kind of taking on the roast beef aside, taking on the awkwardness and taking on uh, kind of the discomfort that I think everyone was feeling and just fielding it, especially within a house of people she didn't know, like your family. And so uh, that is that is one of many ways that people can be allies is kind of reading the room and stepping in in moments that um are otherwise potentially painful or awkward or all of the above. So good For job, sure. Wendy. Yeah, good job, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said like uh, so this is what the songs are talking about when in referencing falling in love. Mm. Can you think of any songs that that like when you finally had that feeling of love? what what song you're like oh yeah that actually that that's the one or you know something like that that's a great question I I wish I'd thought of that before um I think any song it just the the, um the sort of like (laughs) obsession with this person that I had fallen in love with and I mean that in the best way but that like I can't be apart from you for five seconds and I only feel safe or good or happy when you're like right next to me and like I think about you constantly and um you know I think when I was in high school my my friends who were girls were falling in love with guys and and acting that way obsessed and just like you know wanted to be with them all the time wanted to talk about that I just was like oh my lord like it felt it was embarrassing and I was just yeah. like stop I get it you get a boyfriend. hold of yourself yeah like took it in and, um and then I was that person and it was it was in some ways just like a huge relief to to be like oh it's not like you haven't met the right guy or that you know you're not capable of this it was like that's what this was I'm having all of these feelings and you know just thinking that this person walks on water and that everything that they do even if it's you know annoying is adorable and just uh you know, I, I, that's, that was the feeling. So I, yeah, I don't know the song. I'm going to marinate on that for a sec, but um, just the, the healthy, I think, obsession with someone else. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if this is your, your experience, but I know for me, because I didn't get to have what you just described in high school either, like having those emotions, but like as a older person, <laughs> uh, older in quotes, um, just not in high school, not a teenager. Um I don't know, for me felt even hard, like weirder, harder, like a second adolescence. And then I think even coming into my transness was like a third. I'm still in that now of like, especially with testosterone, like I'm literally going through puberty. My voice is cracking. I have pimples. I have no idea how to talk to people. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's wild. It's a wild ride, but I, you know, I don't know if, if any of that resonates. 
Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. I mean, again, I won't tell my whole, and my trans coming out story is pretty minimal. Like I said, my mom was cool with it. I, it was it just sort of happened in pieces. Like I'm changing my name. I'm going on testosterone. I'm having top surgery. Like it was a slow burn, but, um, but yeah, all of these things are a new, uh, you know, we'll talk about Kendall, my relationship, but you know, she's been through so many iterations of my gender and each one is a, a new and exciting adventure. <laughs> um, and testosterone for sure. I mean, I, I went on testosterone. It was, I, I have, we have a running joke that uh i wanted to write a book called sex and sandwiches because mm. i was just obsessed with sex and, and eating foods and like to the point where i didn't want to go anywhere or do anything that didn't involve sex or sandwiches like if someone <laughs> was like do you want to go to the movies i was like why would i go to the movies because i won't be having sex there and there'll be no food um <laughs> and so it just was like this like one track mind and then i went off of tea for a while which was interesting and now i'm back on tea so so yeah it's uh, you're sort of constantly reinventing yourself which is wonderful and challenging yeah. Um, it really, it really is challenging to go through that. But I, I also, I do, when I think about it, I am like, I'm actually, I, for me, like feel like more equipped to go through this third adolescence as a grown up because I have been in therapy and I have life experience and I have more tools to manage some of the stuff that testosterone or different hormones are this third adolescence is bringing. Um, so for that, I feel grateful, especially because it's also like a very intentional choice I'm making to affirm who I am. It's like, I don't like when I was in a teenager, this was happening without my consent, right? It just was puberty was happening, whether I wanted it to or not. And now like I'm in the driver's seat and that there's something really empowering about that. Absolutely. I, I the flip side of that for me though, is I do sort of grieve not, coming of age as a masculine person yeah um, for sure you know I I you know went to prom as a girl I you know was on the girls soccer team like just I'm so jealous and happy for young people that get to experience high school in the gender that they feel most comfortable with because that was just not on the table for me I wouldn't have even known I wanted it at the time but um I, you know, yeah, it is super empowering to make decisions about who you are and, and pursue those as an adult. But uh, I do grieve for the like the teenage boy I never will get to be, at least not in this lifetime. Yeah, uh, that resonates. I also have a lot of grief around that. Um, I feel like we could talk about this all day. <laughs> And I really want to hear Kendall's, uh, one of Kendall's coming out or coming into self story. And then I really am excited to, um, though I know the story, I want to hear it again of how you two met. Um, but uh, Kendall, please share share with us. Yeah. So um, I think mine is a little different. I don't feel like it was a, a like a one shot deal. Um, so so I'm cis woman, and I grew up. Um, I grew up in the seventies. I'm 52 now. Um, and when I was growing up, there really, like, there were not LGBT um, centers, there were, there were no ally groups, there were no, you know, there was nothing, um, no representation um, of any sort, even through college, like there were definitely, it was like low whispers of um, queer people kind of thing, but it wasn't something that um, people were out and proud. I think that the, um, that you saying like coming into yourself, that resonates much more for me than coming, than coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been a, it's been a slow process. So, so I, 
um, if I have to uh, identify myself, I guess I was, I would identify as sexually fluid. Um, so when I was growing up and society was telling me that I should be with cis guys, I was, I was very happy to oblige and was in, was happy in many relationships. Um, throughout college, I did have, um, I had sexual encounters with women as well. Um, but it was never really an option or presented as an option that I could actually be in a relationship with a woman or anybody other than a cis man kind of thing. So I think that, that really I just took the path of least resistance um, um, because honestly it hadn't, it hadn't even occurred to me. There was no representation. I didn't see people that were like me. And honestly, I know um, in you had said, like, what about your ring of keys moment kind of thing? And I feel like I'm still sort of waiting for it. Like, I don't, there aren't a huge group of people that are super, I, I guess, um, that are my age, maybe I would say, that I have found that are like sexually fluid. People, um, my entire life, my um, identity or how people identify me is always um, linked to whoever I am with. So um, I was married to a cis guy for, um, and in a relationship for, for 15 plus years. And when I was in that relationship, um, even though our relationship at times was open and I had been with women as well, it was like, oh, you know, Kendall's straight, but she's crazy or whatever. Like, she's just like, I don't know, not acting out, but just like, that's Kendall. Like, Kendall's just Kendall. And then when we, when, um, when Finn and I moved to New York City, that was up in Vermont. When Finn and I moved to New York City, it was, um, I guess Finn at that point you had you were sort of in the middle of the transition so but I think that people sort of assumed that I was a lesbian and so it was like oh Kendall's straight and then oh Kendall's a lesbian and I'm like nobody sees me like it's um really I um I struggled especially I think during that time that that was like this is not okay the fact that like I am that people only see me through my partner was, is really frustrating and, and, um, a struggle. Um, so I think that like, I'm still waiting on that and like coming into myself has been, um, has been a, a long process and like sort of in, in dribbles. And, um, and I think that even getting older, like there's a whole other coming into yourself, just like being, more, more and more, you know, I always was pretty confident and never really apologized for, for anything. Um, when, like when I was married and had an open relationship, many people didn't understand that. I didn't share it with, like, I, that's not something I was sharing with my family. That's not something I shared with a lot of my high school friends, like some of my friends from Vermont knew, but it was like a very close knit circle. It was not something that I was sharing widely. Um, so, but it's funny, um, and maybe this is a good transition, Finn at one point, so Finn and I actually worked together um, in uh, an HIV organization up in Vermont, and um, I was actually, I had given my notice, I was the executive director, and I had given my notice, and Finn and I were on a walk, and um, 
Finn was talking about wondering if, as far as he knew, because I'm not, I wasn't, you know, professionally, I wasn't like, Hey guys, my, I have an open marriage and I'm, you know, I'm sleeping with women, even though I'm married to this guy. Um, that wasn't really something I shared at work, but Finn said to me, Oh, do you feel like, um, you know, I was thinking about this concept of, of straight people who, you know, are working in, you know, advocacy or social justice or with a lot of LGBT people. And, you know, could, do you feel like that you would ever identify as queer, even though you're not? And I was like, well, I, I am, you know, that I think, and it was, it was sort of a moment that I think professionally too, it was like, sort of how at that time, at least, like, how do you, how that seemed like such a personal part of, of my life. Um, and like, it sort of was like, if you pulled that one string, like, what did that mean for my husband and like how people viewed my husband? Like, it just felt a little bit more private. And again, it was sort of a time when it wasn't, wasn't like there were tons and tons of people that were like, out and queer and, you know, all different representations of the ways even that relationships could be different or that type of thing. So, um, so that's sort of how our Finn and my relationship started sort of strangely as a professional one. We knew each other for, I think it was five years, um, before it sort of, it really, I had this like, twinge. I think, I think that I'm very compartmentalized and I was like, I'm at work. Like I'm doing my work. I'm professional. Um, you know, I don't really share a lot of personal things. And then it was like, once I knew that I was going to be leaving, I was like, Oh, like, look at Finn over there. Like, <laughs> that's interesting. I think that that's, you know, so it's sort of my, my interest was peaked and, um, and it's sort of, and I think Finn was, you can speak for yourself, Finn, but I think Finn was astounded to learn that I had, um, that I had slept with women before and maybe it like cracked open the door for him to be like, Oh wait, what? You know? Um, so then, you know, it's, it's incredibly complicated cause I was married and, um, and so there's a lot of, you know, pain and, um, not surfing, but suffering that, um, <laughs> that happened in terms of ending that relationship. And, you know, it, it was very entangled and, um, took some time to, to come up from air from, from that. But, um, but then Finn and I moved to New York city and it was an extraordinarily, uh, exciting time. Cause it was like, we just get to be us and a couple on our own, not connected to this like salacious story of me leaving my husband, um, for a trans guy, you know, it was, um, so, and it's sort of interesting, um, just quickly, I, I had talked to when, when I actually, I guess, like came out quote unquote to my mom. Um, I, you know, I, I asked her, obviously my husband and I were, were having some problems and I said, I just don't know, like at what point we should go to therapy or like, is it worth it? Or, and I said, mom, I have to be honest with you. Like 
I I'm already in another relationship. I'm, you know, with, with another person. And she was like, Oh yeah. And I, and I said, and, and I need to be honest that, that, that with you, that that person's a woman, which is how Finn identified at the time. And, and she was like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that was her response was sort of, I think that she knew that I was like craving this emotional connection that I didn't really have um, with a lot of my cis partners. So cis male partners. So um, yeah. And I think that it, that it has been interesting to like, I don't know, just it like has slowly unfolded and like sharing with friends being like, yep. I like when you were like, Oh, that's just crazy Kendall. Like that's just me that I'm queer and sexually fluid. And people always have a lot, a lot of questions about, well, I don't understand. And like you were with Finn and you know, what was Finn's gender identity when we were together and what about his transition and like, how was that for you? And I think that Finn and I are a very good match in that, like, I really don't care. Like, it's not, I, I love Finn. And so whether Finn was presenting more, you know, I guess you never presented totally feminine, but like even more as a butch lesbian or, trans man or like I think that there are probably times that we're read as a straight couple now which I again I don't I don't love that people make that assumption about me one way or another based on what we look like but people will be people so um but yeah I think that it's been that's been an interesting and it all is like I don't know it's it's like ever evolving it's just never you know I think that that it's that that's life is, is that it's constantly changing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I have, mm. I, the first kind of thing that comes to mind and I wonder if this resonates um, is, well, the first thing is um, that I, I feel almost like excited for you to, that you still are like on the, on the hunt, if you will, for a ring of keys moment. I think <laughs> yeah, that, totally. that's like pretty cool. And I also wonder how many people how like you're a ring of keys for other people yeah like, you're just out there living your life in all these really awesome ways and just being yourself and you know Kendall will be Kendall um and how how empowering that must be for other people to see oh Kendall's just living her life like and and look how happy she is or you know yeah. I would make an assumption but you know yeah um I just I hope so. Yeah, Yeah, I hope so. I think that that resonates a little bit more with me um, in terms of like that. I've never really I think actually this sort of links back to our early work in HIV. Like my first job was working at a hospice for people that were dying of HIV in Boston in the in the late 80s, early 90s. And and because of that, like seminal moment in my life, it just has has rippled to every aspect of my life that it's like life is too short that um you you have to like live every day and so really my career obviously HIV and AIDS and that advocacy and work on behalf of people with HIV was super important to me but there always was a like when you're home, you're home. Like I never, I had been an executive director for a long time, like 
and I didn't work on Fridays. I did not open my phone on the weekends. Like that was so critical to like refill my cup before I then could do the work. And so having super firm boundaries about what I was willing to do and not willing to do. And, um, and even when um, Finn and I have since moved down to Asbury Park, New Jersey, and we're on the ocean, and um, I just quit my job. It's probably been what, like seven years now. And, and I'm just making it work, you know, to buy that ice cream and red lipstick, you know, that's Mm -hmm. and dog food. (laughs) Those are like, um, but And a lot of people, it's, I think it can be threatening to people to, to see somebody just like, well, what do you mean? And why aren't you focused on your career? Why you, you know, you don't have a job, you know, that kind of thing I think is confusing to people, but I don't know. I'm just doing me. Yeah. And I think that's reminding me of, I feel like, uh, this conversation, do either of you follow or know Alok? Yes, of course. Um, Just what they talk about all the time about how people, um, I'm very much misquoting this, but the the sentiment is, you know, the people who are the most like aggressive towards trans people are the ones who like, are just, I don't know if it's jealous or just like, why can't I have that freedom? And it's like, I'm going to take you down because I'm too afraid to face the own, my own beauty. Absolutely. Whatever it might be. And I wonder if there's some similar thread here of like, you quit your job because that's not a priority. Like, you know, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but you know, you're you're making it work and that's what's important to you. And you and Finn have found a way to make that work. And um, people are going to, you know, quote unquote, talk shit about it because they want to do it too. And they don't know how or can't or, you know, whatever it might be. And, um, I think that um, it's just, you know, it's just, it feels interesting to me to like find the the commonalities with that. Yeah, for sure. Of You know, of the people just like living their lives in a way that's fulfilling to them and then people get mad about it. And yeah, like, I'm not coming for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I could care less about any of you. I'm just yeah. living my own life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that came up a lot, you know, when, when Kendall and I got together we didn't have a lot of support. I think my queer friends were like, who's this straight lady? I'm, I'm, you know, cautious. I'm worried Finn's going to get his heart broken. And I think Kendall's, you know, at the time, mostly straight friends were like, Kendall, you've lost your mind. Like you're sleeping with this young trans guy. And what about your marriage? And, you know, and, and so there were, there were not a lot of champions of our relationship at, at the early part. And I think um, it was, people were threatened. You know, I think that, that a lot of Kendall's straight friends were married and they were sort of like, we're all miserable, but we mm. don't break up our marriages and sleep with other people. Like, how dare you live your life and your truth and, and, you know, have hard conversations with your husband about what you want your life to look like. And, you know, for me, like, how dare you step into the straight world? Like we're lesbians and what, you know, just sort of like people were threatened by us stepping out of what was expected of us. And um, I mean, we, because we had fallen so hard in love, I think we could sort of rise above the noise, but, uh, and, and that was when we moved to New York, something really wonderful to just, like start over start clean not these expectations and uh, stories swirling about but but yeah people people don't like it when you when you do you I was shocked I had I had some friends um and it was sort of you know it was a it was a um confusing time because because I was in an open relationship with my husband um 
and and Finn and I had gotten together and so we were sort of navigating that which can be super complicated and it it that was sort of over a year's time um and then it came it really came to a head and I was like well I guess I'm just leaving my husband and I'm going to be with this trans guy and like I guess this is what's happening like my dad's going to love you Finn I don't like I don't know what this is crazy like what am I doing what am I doing with my life sort of came to a head and and it was hard to to articulate and it was like I was still ironing it out or like figuring out what it all how it all made sense in my own mind and people were really like what are you doing what's happening um I had one friend that I'll never forget. She, she said, I don't understand Kendall. Like you, you have a home, you have a beautiful husband, you have a a dog, you have this perfect life. I don't understand what else you want. And I said, Oh, I don't know. I was like, love, passion, connection, emotional, like all of these like adventure, like variety. Like I could go on and on and on, you know? Not surprisingly, she got divorced a couple of years later, but I like really, I feel like that was such a thing and something that Finn said too. It, there was a point during, um, during our transition of like, um, or my transition from, from leaving my marriage and, um, and Finn and I really like establishing our own relationship where, I, it, it all, it would have been so easy if I could have just been like, I'm a lesbian. Like it would have like, people would have been able to like check off that box and been like, Oh, okay. Like I get it. Of course you have to leave your husband. But if it, because it wasn't like it didn't make sense to people or I was like, I don't need, I remember saying to a friend, like, I don't, I don't need you to understand. Like if you felt what you, what I feel in my body and like, it would make sense to you. And I can't articulate that clearly. And it doesn't matter. Like, you it just I need you to trust me and trust that I know myself enough that like that this makes sense. That people love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mixed reviews on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that people have people society really, really, really want to put people in boxes. And they it's like there's a certain way of thinking about identity and relationships and the way that we should show up in our genders and they're only specific you know like all the things that you both already know but it's like you know we all also know that that's just not how real life actually works Mm -hmm. and so it's so it's so challenging to kind of like go against what society expects and what our friends expect and what people expect um but i think in us doing that i'm I'm grouping me with you um yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um we are slowly breaking that mold and breaking out people's expectations of what should be like you said your friend then got divorced a few years later you were your friend during a keys moment whether whether she even realizes mm-hmm. it or not right like you were living your truth so hard that eventually she couldn't deny it her own truth yeah um and I think that that's just so cool and so powerful. Uh, we, I was at a, a on faculty for a conference earlier this year, and the whole theme was like seeds and the seeds we grow. Mm. And so much of what we plant and what we educate and what we do in the world, we don't actually get to see the the for outcome. Sure. And I think it can feel really hard sometimes, especially for me as an educator, as a facilitator, a speaker. 
I don't know, like the impact that I have on most people, unless they specifically come back and tell me the impact I have. I don't know. (laughs) And so it can feel lonely sometimes and and even not in a professional capacity, just living my life and how you are saying, like, you're just living your life and you don't have to understand, but here's who I am really is. It's planting seeds and it's helping a new kind of world grow. And I just think it's really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to kind of rewind back to something. Um, I can't remember which one of you said it actually, but just that you've been through so many iterations of Finn's gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, mm-hmm. um, I want to just talk about that. Like, what does that look like in a relationship? And, um, how did you, how do you like, I, I don't want to say manage feels like a weird thing to say, but how do you navigate that as a partnership of, um, you know, cause you, you even said, Kendall, you know, like everything is ever evolving. And I so firmly believe that if we're not sh- shifting and changing and growing and evolving, like it's not a good thing. And so, but I think we're taught in a society that things should be static and like you get married, you live your life, you retire, then you die, like no change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just doesn't sound appealing to me either. So, uh, I'll stop talking and just curious how you, how you navigate that, um, as a couple. I mean, I, I will say that I, I am so lucky to to have Kendall in my life for a million reasons, but one of them is that, you know, she really is not tied to being with a man, being with a woman, being with a trans person. Like I, I believe that if I, you know, hard shifted to the left and became like a very feminine woman, she would be like, I guess that's what we're doing now. Right. And, and also I think super lucky that, that she's been attracted to all these iterations of me, even though they've been very different. You know, I, I feel for couples in a relationship where one person transitions and the person says, look, I'm just not attracted to women. Like I love you, but like I'm attracted to men and now you're a woman. So like, what are we supposed to do here? And I think some people stay together in sort of a friendship or whatever, and, and some people separate, whatever. I, I feel for that, right? For me, if Kendall became extremely masculine in a man, like, I don't know, I would still love her deeply, but like, I don't know if I would be attracted to her. I mean, I'm not traditionally attracted to masculine folks. And so I, I feel so lucky that every iteration, every evolution has like worked for Kendall um, because it's also allowed me a lot of freedom to, to go on tea, to go off tea and not have to worry, like, is there some, some iteration of myself that even I would understand that Kendall wouldn't necessarily be jazzed to be with and you know I'm very aware that you know I I hope we never break up but if we did I don't think that's easy to find right I think I I I imagine perhaps I could be with um a a cis lesbian who would be like well I'm usually like I don't know it's cool that you're trans that's like I'll I'll deal with that or a straight woman who's like well I kind of wish you were a cis but like you sort of despite the fact that I'm this gender identity and um that is not Kendall's love of me. And I, I feel very, very lucky, but I, I will let you speak to how, how you feel like that's challenging or not. Yeah, I don't, I, um, you know, it's usually a slow, again, it's a slow roll. And like looking back, it's, it's a little bit shocking to be like, oh my God, there have been so many, so many iterations and so many versions, but like, honestly, maybe because it's, mostly physical, I guess, that, um, that it's easy to identify, but, but like, like you're saying, Dubs, we're all shifting and changing. Like I'm a totally different person than I was when Finn and I got together, you know? So it's, I think that that's true. And like, yes, it, it, I guess it is unique 
to have somebody's gender identity shifting while you're in the relationship with the same person. But, you know, I think that that's just, um, again, that's sort of just who I am. It's, it's not even necessarily, um, reflective of Finn or that I'm like, okay, I guess I'll put up with that. Or I guess I can, I guess I can navigate that. Like, it doesn't feel like it just feels like I love Finn and Finn, Finn's ever changing much like I'm ever changing. Um, and, and there may be more visible ways that Finn is changing, um, and shifting, but they all are, I guess that, that for the most part, and I say for the most part, like for the most part, a lot of those changes are super true to who Finn is. Like, so I think that there are sometimes that testosterone can be a little bit challenging that that has muted Finn's emotional availability at times that I get frustrated about. Um, but like the physical stuff is like, whatever. I don't like you got top surgery, you have a beard, like, I don't know. It, it just sort of is what it is. When I think about uh, like ring of keys, keys ish, I feel like I, there was one time uh, when I was like, I like read this report where it was like, no, I'm, I'm misquoting the, everything all day. Yeah, like, perfect. <laughs> right. Um, we'll believe you. <laughs> okay, yeah. It was like something like they had done a study and like only it was like 1% of people would like deal with dating a trans person. It was like something like ridiculously just. Well, that's just devastating. That's not totally. Yeah. But like I was reading this like, uh, you know, in a young, vulnerable, oh. newly trans state and um, was really upset, of course. And I actually am still upset about that. And it's like, um, you know, you said like, oh, I'll deal with that. Or despite that, I'll maybe I'll date this person. It's like, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who will deal with it. No or like, way. You know, like, and like, so when I'm willing I, to overlook it. Like, right, yeah, right. Tough. Exactly. And so, but when I see the two of you, it's like a ring of keys for me where it's like, there Aww. is a sense of possibility of like, there are people out there who, um, and you know, and I see other folks with, you know, with people who are trans in relationships and um, are thriving and it's really nice to see. Um, and I feel like we should be uplifting those, these stories more um, than that 1% of like, I'm willing to do it if I have to. You know, like no, and so that's sad. not nobody should be in a relationship, trans or not, where it's like, okay, I guess despite this thing, I'm gonna like, no, 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 life is too short. That is not what we're doing here or what we should be doing here. And I don't, I don't want to be glib at all, but I also think you know, Kendall is very much a Gemini, and I, think I am that, you know, <laughs> like having a partner that just sort of changes and alters every once in a while is probably actually helpful um because i think you know yeah keep me on my toes exactly exactly (laughs) i think it's worked in that way that i don't know if you had a partner that never changes at all that would not be something you'd be into so uh, like how about we do this like here for it yeah well i think it's too uh important to just kind of like pull pull out the thread that you were talking about um kendall about um, how you're a, a completely different person than you, when you were, when you met Finn and like, um, 
how I think part of the discourse that's happening now, it's like people don't realize like you can, people can change in ways other than like, I'm changing my gender identity or, you know, I'm affirming myself and who I am, or it's like, we can grow and change in a bunch of different ways. And like, we should be doing that. And so I love that you are, are, are super aware of like the different person that you are now and that you have, that you, the two of you have tools to navigate all kinds of changes, not just gender identity, but all kinds of wants and desires and ways to be in the world. Um, it's really neat. Yeah. I think, you know, and I, you can decide Finn, if you want to take this out, but like Finn and I actually are going through a transition ourselves right now of trying to figure out, um, you know, what the next iteration of our relationship looks like. And, and I'm really wanting to spend more time on the West coast and, you know, Finn's lucky that he, he does work remotely, but we're like trying to figure that out. And it's, you know, so that's like another transition and, and just of, I think that we have a tendency to box ourselves into places being like, and obviously there's like fear and uncertainty of just like, Oh my God, but what's that going to look like? Or what's going to happen? Or I don't want to break up, but like, and, I think that that often holds us back rather than um, having a more expansive, honest, true conversations about like, you know, whatever it is, whether it's like being honest with, you know, Finn, even I, Finn currently has a mustache that I love. And Finn the, just yesterday was like, you know what? I'm growing my stubble back because I like it, you know, and it's like, well, okay. Like, you know, just navigating that even small of a thing of like the, I don't know that that's, that's relationships is like, you know, just from the, maybe the mundane of a mustache to like, are we going to try to do some kind of bi-coastal something or other? Like it's, it, and everything in between that's sort of relationships. The next book is bisexual and bicoastal. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Sex and sandwiches. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think it's true. It's like we are, we are navigating that. And I, I'm having so many uh, exciting thoughts. I wish this was a five hour podcast. Um, but yeah, you know, we've been together for 17 years, which, you know, we always joke in queer years. It's sort of like dog years, right? It's like 50 years, right? There's not a lot of queer relationships that have lasted decades tragically. And, um, you know, Kendall like really needs to be in California for a bit. And so I, we're like, what does that mean for us? And I think that, um, I don't, I don't want to generalize of like all straight couples versus all queer couples because that is just not a real thing. But one of the many things I love about the queer community is that like, if Kendall spends three months in California without me, it doesn't mean that we're breaking up or we're not together or we're not in love or that we're not going to come back together in some way. Like it just, it, you know, I think that there, you do get boxed in, right? Like it has to be like this. It has to be like that. You know, we don't have kids. We've chosen not to have kids. Like, and, and few people in our lives are like, well, what do you mean? Which I think would happen more traditionally straight couples. And um, so to, to, for us to continue to evolve and, and to let all options be on the table that like, yeah, Kendall being in California is certainly not a deal breaker. And like, we'll figure it out and it'll be the next iteration of us and maybe it'll change in other ways, but that's okay. And that we've been through a lot of change together and to not fear that. And, you know, I feel like I do want to say as well, like to teach the children, I don't know that we're quite queer elders yet, but we're on our way. And uh, I do feel like the older you get, the more you know who you are and the less you give a, 
I don't know if I can swear, but give a hoot about, give a shit about what people think of it, right? Like I just learned to surf like in the past three years, right? Like I am an overweight trans man in his forties out there surfing. And I'm like, I like doing it. And I don't care if like, I'm not the 20 year old, you know, I am blonde, but that's not real. Um, you know, whatever. I don't fit the mold and I don't care. It brings me joy, right? It's not suffering. It brings me joy. And, uh, and so I do, I think that it's, it's really beautiful uh, as we get older to be like, this is who I am. And here it is. Take it or leave it. Don't care. It I takes, I think... Sorry, one sec, babe. Uh, Dubs, I feel like something I, when I met you, I felt this, um, that you are very aware of who you are and like living your truth and have like, I don't know if you practice Buddhism, but like, it feels like you feel very centered to me. And it also, again, I don't know you that well, but it feels like maybe that wasn't always the case. Um, and so a ring of keys moment for me as a fellow trans masculine person was like, I got to find some of that peace he found somewhere. Like mm. I, I, I aspire to that and I'm like, he's doing something and I want, I want in. Um, so I had that moment meeting you. Wow. Thanks for sharing that with me. I, um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I practice Buddhism, but it's definitely part of like how I think about the world and uh, Buddhism and Taoism and um, more, more Taoism actually than Buddhism. But um just like um, I have a tattoo, actually, it's of the principle Wu Wei, which is like the 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 action of non-doing mm. and just like um, not trying to force things that aren't supposed to be forced. And like the power, like the power of the stream happens because it doesn't try to go through the rock. It, it makes space around the rock mm. is like the visual that I always have for that. And uh, but thank you, because, yes, it wasn't always I was not always at peace and centered and I've worked extremely hard to get <laughs> to get that piece and find it and keep it so to have someone recognize that uh really is meaningful to me so thank you for sharing that yeah and babe i sorry you were gonna say something oh yeah i was it sort of um links into that just as is um that it does take i think mindfulness or a constant reminder to ourselves that like that that there are a number of different paths forward. You know, I think that maybe COVID I'll speak for myself. I think COVID like got me feeling a little stagnant and, and stuck. And, um, and it's just now that I'm like, Oh wait, this is not, this is not who I am. Like I need, I need to shake things up. I need to, I need to move forward. I need to, we need to remember that like, that we can make choices that may be considered non-traditional and like as long as those work for us like that is all that matters and as long as we're communicating and being honest with each other and sometimes it's brutal honesty and um causes hurt feelings and but like as long as we're staying present with one another that the your whole idea of like coming into yourself is like a just a constant constant process yeah absolutely I think for sure COVID has uh uh like shaken up a lot of people brought up a lot of feelings um I still recorded this podcast through, I mean, we're, you know, through like the height of the pandemic and getting to talk to people in that, in those moments was really significant of like, just like the quiet that kind Ooh. of just like fell over the world for most people um, of just like, and feeling disconnected in all of the ways um, really helped bring to light a lot of feelings of like, what am I doing with my life? How do I want to move forward? The stagnant feeling is not a good feeling. 
And so I think that's what, I mean, that's what sparked um, the great resignation and just like people Mm -hmm. really trying to like find meaning in their lives. Because I think a lot of people realize like life is short and there is no guarantee. And so how can I live like life in a way that's meaningful? Um, And so again, I just think it's so great that you have each other to like work through that and talk through like, how does life look meaningful to us and how can we continue to show up with each other um, and evolve as a couple and as individuals. Um, And that is going to definitely look different for each couple. Um, You each brought it up and I would love to just like to, to ask if it's okay about um, testosterone and starting and stopping and starting. And, and I don't know if any of that is tied into um, the, the emotional availability piece. Um, I know before I give you the mic, uh, I know for me, once I started tea, my ability to cry is almost zero. And I was someone who cried at literally everything, like a leaf would fall and I would just cry like, that's amazing. Like, you know, I would cry at everything. And now I cry at mostly nothing. And it's really hard for me because it's, I'm an emotional person um, that can't emote (laughs) properly, quote unquote, for me. Um, So anyways, so that all resonates, you know, I'm just curious um, if uh, what you all were, I'll just stop talking. Yeah, I think that that for me, that was the biggest um, impact of testosterone. Like there obviously were physical changes um, that were interesting and exciting. Um, But I think that to see Finn sort of behind this film almost um, and not be able to reach him in some ways and have him not, I I think that when it first was happening um, there were other things going on in Finn's life that, that were complicating that like hard to tease out what was testosterone and what was, was other um, life um, events. But yeah, I think that that's what I would say is it, that it was like, this is significant. Like it was, it was a significant shift. And then I think Finn, when you went, went off, um, you know, it was, I think it, it wasn't like some huge flood of emotion coming back, but then when you've gone back on, that was like my biggest concern was just like that, 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 that emotional, I don't, I don't want to call it stuntedness or just like, I don't know. What would you call it then? I mean, I would agree. I think it's been the, the, to our relationship, uh, testosterone that has been the biggest uh, challenge to overcome is the emotional piece. Because I think when we got together, I think for Kendall, that was something that she had really been craving, you know, in her relationship um, with her ex, who is a wonderful man. He's a warm, caring man. It's not like he was some, you know, super emotionally distant person. But I think when we got together, it kind of was like, oh, I've wanted this my whole life, this emotional connection, this attunement, this like feeling very cared for and loved. And um, and then when I went on tea, it it did like, I, yeah, I can't cry still, I, you know, even though when I went off, like I, I, it's really, really hard to cry. And I think you're right, Dubs, like sometimes you really need to, you need that release. You're sad, you're frustrated, you're whatever. And then you cry and you feel better. Right. And and when you can't and like still your chest tightens and your throat tightens, but like it, you don't get that release. It's really terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kendall and I've had arguments or like 
my mom passed away like moments when I really, really needed to cry. And it just, I just can't. And um, I think, you know, at first that was a real challenge. Um, it was part of the reason I went off of testosterone for a while was to sort of like get in touch with my emotions again. I'm on a lower dose now, which I think is helpful, but it's it's still a challenge. It, it has to be much more of like an active practice to like get in touch with myself and like go into the woods and think. And um, I think day to day, you know, I mean, this is like, like I being on testosterone had made me feel like, and again, I'm generalizing, but like cisgender women should be in charge of the world, but I get why men are often soldiers, right? Because it sort of became like, I'm like, oh, there's the spider in the house and it needs to die because it's in our house. And so I'm gonna kill it and I'm not gonna feel anything, right? Whereas before I'd be like, oh, the spider, and like I can't end its life. And like, mm-hmm. like, but it's just like, well, this is what has to happen. And this is what I'm gonna do. And it's just done. And I don't need to think about it or feel anything about it, which I'm like, that's a terrible way to live. But I get why maybe it makes people that are good at following orders, like really good at not thinking about them or feeling them. Um, and I, I hate it. Um, I, you know, if there was some brand of, I always want to make like designer testosterone where it's like, well, I'll grow facial hair, but you won't lose your emotions or like, maybe you'll grow muscle mass, but like not get acne or whatever it is. Um, (laughs) that would be my number one thing is, is the, the being able to be like emotionally available and connected to myself and, and cry. And so it has been a challenge for us. And, um, I think, I don't know, I guess being aware of it is the best thing. And to, you know, when Kendall says like, you're, you're sort of getting away from yourself, you, I don't feel like you're in touch with yourself to be like, oh, like that's legit. And I need to like circle back and focus on myself. And, you know, so uh, it can be really easy to just not think about it, but you you have to, it's much more of a practice to stay in touch with your emotional self when you're in testosterone. Yeah. And what a, what to me, it's just like, what a blessing to have someone to be like, hey, like you're drifting. And, um, and to have the, the trust in the relationship to receive that. Um, and, you know, cause I could imagine there's, there are people who'd be like, no, I'm not. And you don't know well, what happens to, let's be honest. <laughs> That's also fair. <laughs> that is also fair. I was like, <laughs> I oh, wait, what? Yeah. Then you gotta totally... go back to the woods. Yeah. Um, Get on your surfboard and suck yeah, a little yeah, bit out there. Real. Yeah. But it, it is, it's, you know, it's really sad. And, and I, it, it's shocking how testosterone has given me actually a lot of empathy for cisgender men, which is not mm. something I thought I would have, but you know, in the nature nurture argument, I always would have said that it's nurture, nurture, nurture. And then when I literally like altered the hormones in my body there was just so many changes physical emotional that I was like this is a big deal like I'm not saying it's all one or all the other but testosterone hormones can literally change a person and uh so I don't know nature is a part of it to some extent or hormones at least yeah and um do you think that um well I'll speak I'll speak for myself and curious if it resonates with you which is uh because I was assigned female at birth and raised and raised as a woman and was like, uh, you know, to a certain extent socialized and as a woman and like had certain life experiences, whether I wanted them or not. Um, and, um, you know, had, you know, was able to get in touch with myself in a way. And also tying back to this idea of like being intentional now of like, I'm choosing very actively to be who I am and go on testosterone um, for me, like though I'm on, and now that I'm on testosterone and I, you're like, you're saying it's an intention to like stay in touch with my emotional self. I almost feel like I'm better equipped to do so because I, I know what it feels like in that nature and the nurture of like this. I know what it, what it, 
I know what to aspire to. I know what it feels like, tastes like, smells like to, to be in touch emotionally. And so I'm able to access it. Maybe I can't cry, but I'm able to access all the other parts of it. And so I'm just like, it just, cause what it stuck with me, it's like having, you know, empathy is not an endorsement is something I learned from um, Dylan Marin. Uh, but like, you know, cis men are not raised mostly to be in touch with their emotions. And so even if they wanted to maybe are stunted in a way. And so I'm curious if that resonates or makes sense of like, um, like just like the difference of being able to access those parts of us. Does that, does that make sense? I love that empathy is not an endorsement. That's so good. I love it. I got to use that. That's yeah. a big deal. That's coming yeah. towards you, Finn. Sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, that resonated for me too, because it always feels weird to have empathy for straight men in, in this way. Like, congratulations on being emotionally stunted. But yeah, it's not an endorsement. It's just empathy. And mm-hmm. But I think you're absolutely right, Dubs. And, and in the context of Kendall and my relationship in particular, you know, when we fell in love, I was not on TV. I was very emotionally available. You know, I, I you know, I, and, and, when we get away from each other and sort of drift, um, I think it is very helpful, but you know, when Ken will be like, I feel like we're not connected. I know what it felt like when we were, I know what it meant to be like, again, full circle to healthily obsessed, right. To, to, to be attuned, to be connected, to, to feel like I would live in a trash pile in Kansas with you and be happy because you're everything and you're all that matters. And, and, you know, we grow up and life happens and whatever, but yes, knowing what that sort of original feeling was and knowing what it, what it meant for us is, is helpful to have as sort of a touchstone. Um, I think we struggle again, this is, but like, as we get older, like how realistic is that touchstone of, of the first two years of our life and how much can we aspire to be obsessed with each other after all this time, you know, it's the goal and you want that, but like, I don't know, it's, it's hard to know, uh, what is, how obsessed can you be after 20 years and how obsessed should you be, right? Like what is the healthy version of that? I feel like I would say to that, that, that being open to the possibility and of like, what, what new versions of ourselves, like, that's exciting, that keeps it interesting. Like, yes, we're, yes, perhaps we don't have like, the like, major, like, early relationship feelings that, you know, that you have to, you know, work at staying connected and work at, you know, that kind of thing. But, but I do feel like that that's the like constant change, constant evolving, constant growth, you know, learning, changing, like that's where I think the excitement is and that, that you can keep, keep the spark alive kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe the touchstone is part of what changes too, which is, I think is what you're saying is like, it doesn't necessarily have to go backwards, but it's like, how does the touchstone also evolve so we can continue to stay connected? Um, I just looked at my clock and I, I don't want us end this like, you know, but (laughs) I, I have to move us into our lightning round. Um, it is, uh, they are open-ended, so they're a little bit more challenging to answer, but I was given the feedback that my questions were too binary. (laughs) So they're open-ended. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So uh, answer just as quickly as you can. It's all just for fun. Uh, whoever like doesn't have to be in a certain order. Um, so if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? Oh my God. The color you mean? However you interpret it. Yeah. The color or just the name in front of a color. Oh my gosh. I'm Finn knows I am terrible at stuff like this. 
you can also pass. You don't have to, you know, this is just for fun. So if it's stressing you out, no worries. Uh, I, I didn't want to give you something like queer sparkles. Beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, mine would be, uh, oh, I think that we talked about, um, it, mine would probably be um, vintage disco. I love it. Uh, favorite time of day? Mm. Um, whenever I'm on the beach with my dog. Uh, I am a, such a fan of crawling into bed with Kendall at night. Like, there's a moment of connection. It's a moment of uh, relaxation. Um, and so I, th- those moments are... Amazing. Um, favorite current queer media representation? Uh, easy. Lee Robinson, uh, who plays uh, Birdie in the League of Their Own TV series. Uh, I got to meet them recently, and I'm just obsessed with them as a human and the character. Awesome. Um, I think I would say right now I'm feeling for um, what's that amazing show, Finney, that we were watching about the um, the English hard stoppers, hot stoppers. And then mm. do you see that that the lead was sort of forced to come out? I'm feeling for that person. I don't know what pronouns um, this person uses, but the, I feel for that person like that's too that's too young. It's too much. It's like get out of my business. And I love that this person and put up on social media and was like this is ridiculous and like you all have missed the entire point of heart stoppers so that person's in my mind right now yeah let's kick connor he him um, i just uh episode that's the thank you for coming episode that's dropping today it was with um the author becky alberts albertali who wrote the book um that inspired love simon um, oh, yeah. and also had a similar experience of being forced out. I mean, she wasn't out when she wrote some of the books that she wrote and just had a very, very similar experience. And we kind of dig into it in the episode. Mm. It's really heartbreaking. Not okay. Not okay. Um, okay. A song that makes your heart sore. Oh my gosh. Again, I would say any disco song. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I don't know why. So there, this is so, I'm such a work. Um, there is a Jimmy Buffett song that's covered by Dave Matthews uh, about, uh, I think it's called like a pirate at 40 or something. And it's lamenting how he can't be a pirate. Um, mm. But it's about like the ocean and the beach. And uh, it, it makes me happy. I love that. Uh, favorite beverage. Oh my gosh. Uh, I would say iced coffee. Hmm. Um, <laughs> what, this shouldn't be hard or um, milkshake Here, yeah milkshake I was, going to, I, was, yeah, I was going to i was leaning towards milkshake yeah yeah awesome favorite quote oh my gosh hold on then you go first Oh, this is, well, one that I use it- the most is your failure to plan does not my emergency make Mm, I love that. Speaking of good boundaries, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you, you, you messed up, not me. Um, this is, I have to, we have to give credit to our mutual best friend, Allison Davis, who got this from Jennifer Aniston, but it was don't make choices, make options, um, mm. which I like, but like, rather than being like, well, I'm going to do this. Like, it's like, what are, like, give myself a bunch of different options to have all the time. So I don't, I'm not forced into choices. I love that. Um, okay, I had to keep one binary question in. Bagels or donuts? Donuts. Bagels. Ooh, a house divided. Ooh. 
Yeah, I'm... I mean, <laughs> listen, uh, I can no. I go back and do another quote that I have a whole list of quotes, but mm-hmm. I think this one perfectly summarizes me is if you don't go over the top, you can't see what's on the other side. Ooh, I love that. That's great. Uh, Finn, Kendall, thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I uh, really appreciate you. And thank you for coming out. Yeah, thanks. Thank so, you. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yes, a pleasure. Thank you for coming out.